One of my favorite places in Roswell is the historic Methodist Cemetery at the corner of Highway 9 and Woodstock. For me, it's holy ground. It's where this church began in 1836. I've stood there in the rain, wind, and sun, commending souls to God. Walking around the graves, I contemplate those who would have been a part of the church, those who've gone before us, and I consider the sacrifices they have made for us to have this great church today. For 184 years, this church has been a constant in the Roswell community. Through the Depression, Civil War, a pandemic, of course, some things needed to change from time to time. But the truth of the matter is, the church remains because Jesus is at the center. In Matthew 28, we hear, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age." From the earliest roots, the mission of the church has been to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Because of God's love made known through you, people know this church is a caring place. Many know Jesus for the first time because of your relationships with them. People who are hurting and hungry are welcome here, and you've made a place at the table for lots of people living in recovery. As I reflect on my 18 years ministering among you, I commend you for reaching and raising a whole generation of missionaries. We have children who started the summer lunch program strapped in car seats, and they now do our heavy lifting for the feeding programs. We have a job networking program that encourages people to invite God into their job search. We've helped to strengthen the continuum of care for the least of these in our community from North Fulton Community Charities, expanding and including an educational component, component and client-centered services, to the Foster Care Support Foundation, where volunteers serve children and grandparents into every far-reaching corner of this state. You've been instrumental in housing programs, giving shelter through programs like Homestretch, The Drake House, and Family Promise. And in each of these cases, you don't do it yourself. 
we cross lines into other faith communities and traditions and assemble with people that aren't like us. We tap into the corporate world and work side by side on these outreach projects. You have worked tireless as individuals and as teams to feed those among us in need. Whether we ask for a loaf of bread or laundry detergent and a sack of produce, you show up time and time again. Considering the ends of the earth, you've heard the call to go and you went to places like Kenya and Peru, the Middle East and Honduras, to Ecuador and Thailand. Our prayers and gifts have gone to these settings and places of critical need like Venezuela. During a pandemic, our partners need you more than ever, standing in the gap so that they might safely minister to those in their midst. This is the church in action, my friends, loving God and showing compassion for others through our gifts and service. Now, a moment of transparency. I love God, I love this community, and I love the people of this church. God's people at Roswell United Methodist. We've worshiped together, we've prayed together, we have grieved together, we have served together. We've loved together, and you have extended forgiveness to me when I've needed it. Thank you. You've loved my family. Sections one and two in the sanctuary and just right over there, they are my husband's people. You've fed my kids both physically and spiritually when I was somewhere else in the church. You've been there for our children. Maddie will forever remember mission camp when she was in third grade, when three or two, I, I should say, unlikely volunteers stepped forward to be her leaders that week. Alan Kennedy and Art Walsh gained a friend in life with Maddie that week. And I'm so thrilled that she saw what it means to be a disciple. And then there's the classic story of Bill Calhoun, who faithfully befriended every child who attended our Wednesday night out dinner. Receiving our payment one evening, Bill asked Maddie, is your mama treating you right? He went on and he said, you call me if you ever need me. Maddie leaned over the table and she said back to him, what's your number? At four years old, she quickly learned that the church inside the walls doesn't exactly look like her, but God does an incredible thing working all of the pieces and parts together for the good of the order. This is what it looks like to lead a child in the way that leads to life eternal.
While I am excited about my family's move to Illinois, I will miss you. I will miss the opportunity to worship with you on ordinary Sundays, and also those special times like Christmas Eve and Good Friday. I will miss serving side by side with you, whether it's at a local school tutoring or on a bumpy road in South America. I will miss sharing in the baptisms of your children and the opportunity to speak grace into broken places in your lives. I will miss being at your hospital bedside and visiting with you on your front porch. I will miss celebrating the lives of those you love who have entered the church triumphant. And of course, I will miss hearing the incredible music that comes out of this campus and takes us right into the presence of God. I will miss being one of your associate ministers because this is my calling, a calling to serve in ministry that both holds the church and the world together, reflecting the needs and figuring out how we can make God's love meet a need in the world. And because of that glimpse that I carry in my heart, I know there is more to be done right here and around the world. The mission remains for you to continue just like it remained for all the people who have gone before us since 1836. When it's safe to gather again, the church doors need to open wider. There is an ever-changing world out there, out beyond the walls of this building that needs a Savior. They need hope. As a biblical, welcoming, and hospitable church, you as members, clergy, and staff are equipped and called to help people live a Christ-centered life. I am excited to see what God will do through you in all the days to come. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul offers a prayer. Hear these words from the third chapter, beginning with verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is, is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Paul's voice echoes throughout the ages from the historic church into our place today. He prays for the people of Ephesus to be united by the Spirit, to know the power of Christ dwelling among them, and for them, for them to live with the fullness of God's love Just as the people of Ephesus were lifted before God, you are lifted also. Your pastors pray for you and love you, and they will be here to provide your pastoral care in the days to come. You are bound together as God's people, and God dwells with you. It was a Friday evening at 5.30 when my husband received a call about his job transition. The white flag was already out because we were a few months in to quarantine. He came into the kitchen and said with this hybrid mix of emotion on his face, you're moving to Bloomington. Now I digress a bit. We had visited before about being mobile, and we were unified in that answer. But in that moment, pandemic, putting dinner on the table, we were face to face with our decision. The pandemic just magnified our kids who hadn't already seen their friends for two months. Would they leave without saying goodbye? What about school? If we were going to do online school, could we not just stay here? Well, not the thing to drop on a woman with a hot pan and food in the oven. What was he thinking? Anyway, I'm not sure what all happened and unfolded right in those next minutes. But I worked and I got the food plated. And then in our normal family routine, Avery offered our blessing over our food that night. But she didn't say a usual or typical prayer for her. She chose these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. As she prayed those familiar words, the Lord's peace swept over me. I was instantly reminded that God is able to do infinitely more than we would ever ask or imagine. Time and time again throughout our move, we have seen God's mighty power at work. Whatever you're going through today, I hope you're experiencing that power also.
a final word. Most of us know the benediction in a worship service is that signal for closing, for moving on. Here it might mean to head on to Sunday school or to pick up our kids or to head out for brunch. Benedictions are known to be a sending forth or a word of blessing. They can also be a time to speak well of one another. Know this. Your years of faithful worship and service are a song of benediction that will play over and over deep in my soul. You have loved my family well, and I thank you. As I close, I offer Paul's prayer from Ephesians back to you as a way to give you hope and as a way to encourage you in all your days. To God be the glory throughout all generations, both now and forevermore. Amen. Hold me now.